This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This podcast is for parents or anybody helping raise kids, and I hope you feel encouraged, loved, and supported when you walk away from these episodes. The podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network. You can learn more about all of our shows when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. Today, my guest is Judge Anthony Bobbiani. He's a retired judge and family law attorney turned consultant. He's the founder of Judge Anthony Consulting and co-founder of Court Clerk, a family court case management software program for non-attorneys. So he is in the business of helping people navigate the areas of divorce and custody. He's been featured in Forbes, Success Magazine, Men's Journal. And in addition to working with his clients one-on-one and in small groups, he's also created online programs for people around the world who are struggling through divorce and custody battles. Okay, listen. This might not be something every person listening to this podcast is walking through right now, but it's something somebody you know is walking through. And so I think it's super important that we educate ourselves and that way we can show up for people. And if you are someone walking through this, I just want to say, I hope this episode is helpful for you and I hope you feel supported from it. And I'm giving you a big hug because I know it's really, really hard. There are a lot of important things we talk about in this conversation, including communication and how important that is. Judge Anthony shares his own personal story walking through divorce as well, and I'm super grateful that he was open and honest and willing to share with us in this episode. All right, friends, I want to let you know, I am running the New York City Marathon this November for Every Mother Counts, which is a nonprofit that is dedicated to making pregnancy and childbirth safe for every mother everywhere. This is an organization I have supported over the years and I'm really excited. I'm trying to raise $10,000 for Every Mother Counts. Right now I'm at 2,055 and I would be so honored if you would consider being a part of this with me. Uh, I have it linked in my Instagram, my fundraiser, it's in the bio. So if you just follow me over there at lindsayhines626, you'll be able to find the link to donate to that page. And I thank you so much if you consider doing that. I think this is a great way that we can support women all over the world. And then if you want to learn more about what Every Mother Counts does before you make a donation, definitely go back and listen. I recorded an episode with the founder, Christy Turlington over on my other podcast. That is episode 210 of I'll Have Another Podcast with Christy Turlington Burns, the founder of Every Mother Counts. Check that out. And then if you feel compelled, please consider being a part of that $10,000 for Every Mother Counts. Again, you can find that in my Instagram, lindsayhine626. It is in the bio. We'll also put it in the show notes of this episode at sandyboyproductions.com. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Judge Anthony. Today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have Judge Anthony Bompiani on the show. Welcome to the show, Judge Anthony. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Where Where are you coming from? Where are you located? 
So right now I'm in Pennsylvania, but my situation is a little unique because I uh, do week on week off with my ex, with our three kids and my fiance and I live out in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. So, and my kids are here in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. It's right outside of Pittsburgh. So right now I'm here and then uh, next week I'll be flying back out to Arizona and then I'll be back the week after. And so, yeah, Arizona and Pennsylvania. So you literally every single week fly, fly in and out. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I fly every, I fly to Arizona every other Monday and I fly back to Pennsylvania every other Sunday. This week's a little bit different because my oldest son is moving into, he's uh, a senior at a prep school. So he's moving into school on Tuesday. So I'm going to help him move in on Tuesday and then fly out uh, Tuesday night, Tuesday evening, early evening. How long have you been doing that back and forth? Uh, consistently like that for about a year and a half. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So do you have all boys? Yes. Okay, fun. I'm on all boy parent as well. We have four boys. Um, oh, it gets crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> so your, your oldest is about to graduate. And then what are your other three? Uh, my my the, our middle is uh, fifteen. He's a sophomore in high school. Okay. And then our youngest is uh, twelve. He's in seventh grade. What am I staring into? What do I? What can you tell uh, me? What do I need to ready. know? How old are yours? So my youngest is four, and then I have a five, a seven, and a ten. Oh yeah, get ready. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's fun, and it's like it's really cool to see like what they, you know, what they start getting interested in, what their talents are, what they like, what they dislike. Um, obviously there's always a little bit of drama and, you know, issues and, but there are throughout the course of our, our lives as, as humans. But it's interesting because I always say that like, I, I don't want them to grow up, but I also, uh, am so like looking forward to seeing what they like turn, how they turn out, you know, like what they end up doing with their life, where they live, like who they meet, you know, if they get married, if they don't, if they have kids. So it's like, I want to keep them young. And I, you know, my, my youngest, like I can remember last, last fall or maybe like early this, this year, um, I picked him up at a skating. He went ice skating with his friends and I brought him home and it was like our baby, like it turned into a teenager. You know what I mean? So I was like, shit, that was the last one. Like that was the last one that like, you know, wanted to snuggle on the couch with dad or like wanted to like, you know what I'm saying? But that all being said, it's really cool right now because like I got, uh, my oldest is, is uh, like I said, he's going to be a senior. He's a really good basketball player. He's playing basketball right now at the gym. And he texted me and said, I just threw an alley-oop to myself off the backboard and dunked it. So, so it's cool. Like it, it, it stays cool. It's cool to like see them grow in, into it. Uh, but you know, you always want to, you always want to keep them young. It's just, you got to remember that these days will also be the good old days, you know, in the future. So you gotta, gotta enjoy them. I love what you say about that because I like, I feel that I am in constant mourning of what's already passed and like so many yep. parents like looking at pictures from like three years ago and I'm like, how, how, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and my husband always reminds me, he's like, Lindsay, the, the best is still coming. Like there's yep. still so many good years and you know, everybody always likes to say like, oh, it goes by so fast, savor every moment. And it's like, I can only savor it's so much like yeah. you, have, you have to fully live and you have to, you yep. can, it's good to also look forward to things. But yeah, I mean, just seeing how fast that comes with my oldest being 10, knowing in like two, three years, like 
total preteen teenager stuff. Yep. Yeah. One thing I like started doing that kind of helped me with that was I started looking at my own relationship with my own parents mm. and I like see how cool it's gotten recently. You know, like we've been like hanging out a lot more. Like we're obviously like, uh, you know, I'm 44 years old, so it's like a totally different relationship, but it's like super, super cool. So it kind of gives me hope for like what the future holds. You know, you might not have your, your little bouncing baby boys rolling around anymore, but you can still have really cool things and relationships and memories with them, you know, as we, as we get older. Yeah. I was talking to someone the other day and she was like, you know, cause we were talking about how, you know, it's like one of the hardest things in parenting is when you have to go intercept when you're like socializing or like doing something and you're like, Oh, like I don't want to like jump in and navigate this right now. I just want them to behave, but you have to like stop what yep. you're doing, go assess the situation. And, um, we were just talking about how, like, well, ultimately, like the ultimate goal is that you want to raise humans that you would want to hang out with as an adult. Like right. you would want to be right. friends with them if they were your peer. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so stopping to do those things is important, but man, it's, uh, it can be exhausting. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So Anthony is a retired judge and family law attorney now you have your own practice where you do consulting and, and you help people walking through divorce, custody, things like that. Can you give us a little bit of background? Like, why did you even become interested in that profession, like becoming a judge and becoming a uh, family law attorney? Yeah. So with being an attorney, I, I, I didn't want to do it when I first went to college. I actually went to college uh, to be a psychologist because um, I'm all, I've always been and still am fascinated with human psychology. Um, it's I, I credit it as being one of the reasons why I was fairly successful in jury trials and persuasion and, and things like that, because I've always like kind of geeked out over it. But then whenever I got into college, I got involved on the mock trial team in college. And I, I realized that I was pretty damn good at it and I liked it. I enjoyed it. Uh, so I ended up, uh, you know, doing a little bit of a 180, and I still graduated with a degree in psychology, but then I went to law school and then I got involved in moot court in law school. And then when I came out, I always told uh, my wife at the time, she's my ex now, but I always told her that the one thing that I did not want to do was family law. And then it just so happened that we had a baby on the way. You know, I just, I had just passed the bar you know, we had a house, we had bills to pay. And I got hired by like the biggest uh, firm, family law firm in southwestern Pennsylvania. And I kind of didn't have really have a choice at that point. I mean, I, you always have a choice, but I thought that was the best choice was to take the job. It was good people. It was a good firm. It was local. I'd be making money. So I got in there and hit the ground running. And um, my, my family was always involved in politics. My dad was always heavily involved in the school board. And then he went on to run for state senator in 2008. And I managed his uh, campaign. So I was always pretty active in politics. And um, when the position came open in 2015, I think is when I first found out about it. I had multiple people approach me to run. I ended up running. I ended up becoming a judge. And then in 2000, end of 2017, beginning of 2018, I got separated and um, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. And, you know, it was when it comes, uh, you know, when it comes to divorces, it certainly wasn't your typical like high conflict divorce or anything. Like, I mean, obviously, like we argued, we said some things we, we didn't mean, at least I know I didn't mean. And, and um, it was, 
you know, even being like kind of mediocre as far as divorces go and with conflict, uh, it was very devastating to me. It was like, you know, I developed some minor health problems. Um, I had trouble sleeping. I lost a lot of weight. I was very stressed. I, I like felt guilty. I, you know, I, I just, I, I didn't, I lost a lot of friends. I didn't feel right. It was like, a, you know, you go from being in the public eye and being in politics, you know, uh, for a lot of your life and then going to hold it, holding a public position. And then that happens. And, um, you know, I always say two things. I said that number one, a divorce is like the perfect litmus test for friendship because you know who, who your people are. Right. And it's a good thing. Some people think it's bad because it's like, Oh my God, like, how could they do this to me? How could they say that about me? Whatever. But it's a good thing because you learn like who people really are and who's going to be there you know, uh, uh, when you, you know, when you need them, I always say, make a list, you know, make a list when times are bad, because those are the people, you know, you don't want the people that come crawling whenever times are good. Um, and then another thing I always say is if you're ever involved in politics and, and want to like quit being associated with politicians, get divorced <laughs> because, because every, you know, everybody, like everybody acts like they're, they're like, the perfect lifestyle and the perfect life and model citizens and, you know, model people. And it's not always true. I mean, and that's not, I'm not being derogatory towards them. We're human beings. Right. But if you go through that, you know, most people want to steer clear of you. Um, and then whenever I realized how difficult it was for me uh, with the divorce, like I started thinking like, here I am, I'm like more equipped to go through this than pretty much anybody on the face of the earth. You know, I, I understand the psychology behind it. Like, I've been doing this as a divorce and custody attorney for at that point, it was probably like 18 years or something like that, six to 17 years. Um, you know, I was on the other side with the bench. So I like understood like different processes of court. And here I am having this massively difficult time. So I started thinking, you know, how can I, how can I help people like more people initially I was thinking around the country. And um, I started a free Facebook group. I started just like, going live in my Facebook group and helping people. And then I created a free webinar and started to create a course, which has morphed into what it, the main course today is custody case mastery. And then I went on from there to start doing consulting group and one-on-one -on -one consulting. And now we're in, uh, you know, we're all through the United States. We're in Canada, we're in the UK, we're in Australia. We've, we've had uh, clients in New Zealand, Puerto Rico, so it's really cool. And it's, it's, it's a way like it makes me feel good because it like, like I like stuff that's second nature to me and so easy. Like, like I always like tell my fiance, like, holy hell, like I could do this shit in my sleep. And it's like the gospel for other people. You know what I mean? So it's, it's very satisfying for me as a human being to be able to like help people with something that's so like second nature uh, to me. And then you throw in the fact that I went through it. So, you know, when, when I was an attorney, I, I didn't really grasp the difficulty of it for, for my clients. Like I always like tried to do a good job and mm -hmm. took it seriously and everything, but I never really grasped like how, just how difficult it really was. So I have that end of things too. Um, so it's kind of been like the perfect scenario and, um, you know, people have been great. It's been, it's been really cool. It's been really rewarding and it's been a lot of fun too. I'm super curious looking back on your career after going through the divorce, like what would you tell yourself when you were, you know, in practice, but married and also other attorneys who are practicing what you're practicing, what you were practicing, yeah. but they're married. And so they haven't actually walked through that experience. Yeah. 
I would tell them that it is that a divorce with, especially with custody battles, but any divorce is, is probably the worst thing that a human being will go through, you know, other than like, maybe like a major, like terminal illness or something like that. You know, I even like think it's just as bad or not, if not worse than, um, you know, I can't even believe I'm saying it, but it's true than like losing a loved one, mm. you know, and it's because it's so devastating. And then like a lot of people go broke, you know, a lot of people go bankrupt. A lot of people have to start all over. Um, so I would tell my old self and, and current attorneys now, like appreciate the position that your client is in because they will say and do things that might, it might not make sense to you. But if you were in their shoes, it probably would. And a lot of times, you know, people that are people that are going through that, what 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 may appear to be, you know, anger or craziness or plain old being psychotic is actually a cry for help. Mm. And it's actually because they're in, you know, the most difficult situation that a human being can be in and they don't know what the hell to do. And they're there for your expertise and for your comfort. And I think that's the most important thing to understand. You know, the law is easy. Arguing the law and arguing the facts and being in court, like that shit's easy for us. But for someone who has like just had their world turned upside down, it's a big deal. It's a big, big thing. And it's very, very devastating. And I think if attorneys can understand that more, they can uh, be better suited to serve in the, the way that they should. Okay, big question early on here. Yep. What do you want someone walking through divorce to know? Um, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that I say is basically there's two goals. I mean, there's a lot of goals, but they all are broken off of two main objectives. And the first and foremost is healing. Mm. Even if you don't know, like even if you weren't in an abusive relationship or weren't like, you know, uh, abused or subjected to some sort of violence or whatever, you're still, you still have to heal. Cause it's, it's very traumatic and devastating, you know? Um, so that's number one healing, because if you don't do that and you don't focus on that and you're not also patient with it, like it's not going to happen overnight. It could take months, could take years. Um, if, if you don't have that down, that's like the foundation for everything else. And if you don't have that down, everything else is going, you know, your future relationships, your finances, uh, your relationship with your children, all of that other stuff's going to, going to, it's going to hurt. You know, it's not, you're not going to be doing it as well as you should. Uh, so number one's healing. And then number two is to make sure that you are focused on setting yourself up for this next phase of your life, right? whether that be financially, whether that be with the assets and liabilities of the divorce, whether that be with the, the relation, your relationship with your, your uh, ex, your soon-to-be ex. Um, and if you can do those two things, the rest of it, the rest of it's going to take care of itself based on the, the facts and the law. You know, you're not going to be able to control everything, but you can control those two things. You can make sure you're patient with the healing process and make sure that you're simply focused on setting yourself up, um, for the rest of your life. And obviously if kids are involved, then you want to, there's a second part to that second goal. And that's to make sure that you're focused on the rest of their lives because, you know, they're going to end up being, being your legacy. And 
what you have, what the arguments and the issues and the conflicts that you have with your ex, you can't, you can't let that spill over onto them. Like it's not their fault. You know, it's not their fault. Mom and dad don't get along or mom and dad have issues or whatever. So you got to kind of try to uh, make sure that your issues and your issues with your ex aren't spilling over onto them. I have lots of questions about kids and the involvement of that. But um, I'm curious, like, how did you heal? What were the things that you did? Yeah, I I, a lot of. I didn't, I had done therapy before in the past. I didn't do any sort of professional therapy after my separation, but I did a lot of looking inside and looking inward and trying to understand why I was feeling the way I felt, why I was, you know, why I was, uh, so concerned with, you know, what other people thought or how I was going to argue when I got to an argument with my ex or, you know, a lot of stuff that didn't mean anything at all. So I looked inside a lot. And then one of the things that I also did was I started to get uh, that really, really worked for me was I started to get very uh, disciplined with a few things. Number one, I start I never like had a drinking problem or drug problem or anything, but I I made a commitment to myself that I was going to completely stop drinking, even like socially, like a glass of wine with dinner, like everything, because my emotions and my mental state was already messed up. So that's something that is never going to help that. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I always like my fiance and I always joke around now that we drink. Uh, what is it? You don't drink to feel better. You drink to feel even better. Like mm-hmm. when you're celebrating something mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. That's the reason so, you're saying that's the reason you should drink. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's exactly like you don't want to when you're in a bad state in your life and mental state, and emotional state, that is like a recipe for disaster. Totally. Because that's not going to help you that you might feel okay during, but it numbs it. And that's what, yeah, you're lo- that's what you're really shit. looking for. Exactly. So that was my one commitment. My second was that I was going to watch what I was putting into my body. So food, you know, drinking enough water, just really focusing on taking care of my body because obviously they're, they're connected, right? Your mind and your body. So if I'm going to try to fuel and repair and help and heal my mind and my emotions, I can focus on my, my body to, to help that process. Right. And then I got really involved in meditation, you know, super involved in meditation. I would do guided meditation. I would do just silence. I would do affirmations, you know, with the kind of person I wanted to be, uh, you know, just figure out who I wanted to be and just start repeating it to myself and, and over and over and over and over again. Um, and then the last one is I, I started like, I, I stayed committed to reading. I read a shitload of books. Like the first six months of my separation, I, I want to say like, I read like five books a month or something like that. Like it, I read a lot of books and it helps because it's a, it's a great escape But also I was reading books that were like educational books. So I was like trying to learn about myself, learning about like the subconscious, you know, learning about psychology, um, learning who I was, learning about the ego and how devastating it can be, uh, especially in a divorce situation, but in any relationship. And um, I, I did that. And then and then also I ended up finding a really incredible human being that I'm engaged to now. Um. Who, who was very helpful too? who was, uh, you know, you got to watch when, when you, when you get separated and then divorced, you got to watch because the, 
you know, the human need for comfort and, mm. you know, uh, affection and sexual attraction and the whole thing is going to be running rampant. But you got to be very careful because you're in a vulnerable situation. So you, you want to, you know, you, you got to kind of make sure that this the person's someone that you're, you, you should be with. Um, and what it is with us is it's like, which I would recommend if you can find somebody like this, it's the best is someone who like appreciates you for who you are and all the trouble and trauma and problems that you went through, but also someone who like encourages you to do better and be better, mm. right. To grow in like every aspect of your life. And that's like the relationship that we have right now. So that, that was like, you know, that all kind of, you know, everything that I was saying about all the commitments I made to myself and then in, end up getting in a relationship with her. Uh, that was really my process of healing. And now it's like, while I'm like healed, like while I feel healed and I'm healed, like I still, you still experience, you know, situations like, like custody drop-offs, mm -hmm. like you still feel like shit, you know, you still, you still like feel a little bit of like, I don't know if it's guilt or what, but you still will feel like I'm saying this because people that are watching this, like you're never going to completely just be like, Oh, you know, what the hell? Like if you do, then you probably aren't someone who really cares that much, which is fine. But if you, if you do have those negative feelings, like you got to understand that's completely natural. I mean, I, I help like my ex and I get along freaking great. And like, we don't even have an order of court or a parenting plan or a schedule or anything. We just do set it up basically on our own. But the reason why I'm saying that is because it's been so easy and flexible in that regard. But still, when I drop them off at, at mom's house on Sunday, it's like, shit, you know, so you got to understand that those kinds of feeling that doesn't mean you're not healed. And that doesn't mean you have a problem or like there's something wrong with you. That's just being a parent and, and being a human being, you know, and, and wanting to spend time with the people that you love, you know, especially uh, your kids. Hey everybody, a quick break here to tell you about Punk Post, our newest sponsor of the podcast that I'm so excited about. Punk Post sends beautifully handwritten cards mailed by artists for you. Customers place orders via the Punk Post iOS or online platform in the amount of time it takes to send a text. From there, one of their 100-plus U.S.-based handwriting artists get to work and turn a typed message into a custom handwritten design on the card of your choosing. It's in the mail within 24 hours. Seriously, this is the best thing ever. I'm always thinking, especially when I'm out for a run, I, I need to send a card to this person, this person, this person. And if I can just do it through Punk Post, that makes my job easier and it's way cuter. So you all can save on your order at Punk Post when you use the code Lindsay3, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, and the number three, that'll get you $3 off your first order. For more information, to start sending love today, visit punkpost.com or follow them at punkpostco on Instagram and download the iOS app. Again, use that code L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, three, that's the number three, Lindsay3, and that'll save you $3 off your first order with Punk Post. All right, friends, back to the show. Lots of questions about custody stuff. 
And mm-hmm. I know each family is different. Each child is different. Each parent is different. But in your opinion, what's the best case scenario for the kids when their parents are going through a divorce as far as custody goes? Oh, best case scenario, uh, you know, in a perfect world, actually, honestly, actually, my ex and I probably have the best case scenario. I mean, we do week on week off. We, we don't have any court or anybody telling us what to do. We do what we want. You know, we don't like if I want, uh, you know, if I'm going to take the kids somewhere and want an extra day or an extra three days, we don't like match hour for hour and make up time. You know what I mean? Like we, we, we try to do it, but not to like make it fair for us, but just so that like, we don't go too long without being with the kids. You know what I mean? Just to try to make sure that the kids are are around both of us. Um, and you gotta like, you know, I know it's difficult in a lot of high conflict cases, but in a perfect world, which is what I realized in my, my own situation where, you know, my ex is as a co-parent is incredibly reasonable um, is, is that I realized that like, it should be like co-parenting under one roof is difficult enough because you have different backgrounds, different upbringings, maybe different religious beliefs, maybe different values, different forms of punishment, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it's difficult enough. But then when you're in a split family, it becomes incredibly difficult because now you're in two locations and when it's high conflict, sometimes it can feel nearly impossible. But my, my point is, is what I realized is that, holy shit, like this, this can actually be easier than co-parenting under one roof. And the reason why is because that is all we have to focus on. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter to me, like, who she goes out with, what she's doing, where she's working, what, like, nothing at all. And I'm sure it's the same way for her with me. It's like the only thing that we focus on and care about is our kids. Mm. And that's it. So it's like, that's our connection. We both do everything we can. We're both very different in a lot of regards uh, in parenting styles, too. But what people need to try to do that I like to say is to basically exploit your strengths and weaknesses as parents. You know, there are some things that she's so much better at than me as a, as a parent. So I, I will rely on her sometimes. There are so many things that I'm better than than she is. So she'll rely on, on me sometimes for things. And a lot of times what happens is, is our egos get involved and we don't like to admit that the other side may be better than us at something. Um, so it just really kind of clogs up the whole the whole situation when in reality, if you could just understand that and appreciate that, it's obviously easier said than done. But that's the perfect that's like the perfect scenario for kids is to have two parents that work together, you know, focus on the kids. That's it. And are flexible as hell with the times. Right. And just doing because otherwise, like it, it, it can be, you know, when especially when the kids get older, like it can be not only traumatic, but annoying. Like, you know, it's like, like you have a lot of kids that are like the adults in the situation. So, and then, and, and again, I, I, for, for me, for us, week on week off works. I understand like, you know, sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes that's not the best case scenario. Uh, but overall, I would think, you know, as much time as possible with both sides. Both parents. Uh, yeah. And flexibility, you know, and communication. Those, those are the, the, the best things. You know, you mentioned the co-parenting thing, and and I will say, as someone who is married, like one of the hardest 
parts of our marriage is when we don't agree on how to discipline or we don't agree on how we should react to something. And I'm thinking you're being too loud. You're being too aggressive. And he says, I'm being too gentle. And you know, all those things like that is such a stressor on your marriage that you don't realize is going to happen until you have kids. Right. Absolutely. So how do you let that go though? Like when you're divorced and your kids are at their house and then, you know, cause then I, I imagine like, what if they come home acting a certain way and you're like, Oh, it's cause he did things this way. And you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. sure that's a really big stressor. Yeah. Well, and you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. But the biggest thing that you need that people need not you, but people need to understand is that you have to eliminate your ego completely. So if that happens, number one, you got to realize you can't, you're not going to be able to, unless you can have a conversation about it and modify the, parenting styles in one house or the other, you're not going to be able to change. It. So since you can't change it, the only other option is to step your game up as a parent. Right. So, you know, I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure, you know, my ex has felt that way. I don't know if I've ever felt that way before, but if, if I did, the appropriate response would be to just put the focus on myself and what can I do to make the situation better? Like, what can I do to set the right example for these these boys? So to, to take the focus off, like, the other person, which is really an ego play. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, how could they do this? Or, oh, here we go again. That's kind of an ego play. You know what I mean? It's almost like instead, it's like, all right, well, how am I going to rectify this? Like, how can I make this better at my house? How can I fix this? How can I – what can I do to be better? Um, and then – and the reason why you do it that way is because it's never going to be perfect. I mean, you know, being married, it's, it's not perfect. No, it's not easy, you know? So I I think that's the biggest play is focusing on only what you can control and eliminate, eliminating the damn ego. Cause it, it'll ruin so much. I mean, that's good advice, whether you're divorced or married. Yeah. Eliminate your ego. That's so good. Uh, one One of the things I was thinking about as I was like, kind of processing like what we were going to talk about on this conversation the other night I um two of my kids went with the neighbors to like a high school football game and I stayed home my husband and I didn't go we were home with our other two boys and Mm -hmm. um they got home really late and they were gonna have a sleepover with them and I'm not an overly protective mom like I'm pretty much the opposite of a helicopter pair I would say yeah but as I laid in bed at like 10 30 and I hadn't heard anything I was like I don't think I can fall asleep until I know that they haven't gotten in a car accident on the way home from that football game. Like I just, and my husband's like, you know, passed out. Like he's not thinking a thing about it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I got to thinking about that and it kind of gave me a glimpse into what it will be like when my kids are old enough to drive and, you know, they have a curfew of maybe 1am or whatever it is. And like, will I be able to sleep? And I just wonder like how big of an issue is that when you're, your children are at the co-parent's house and I'm sure it's different for different couples, right? Like I feel, I think I would feel very confident that my kids are safe with my husband who, if he were Mm -hmm. were my ex-husband, but there are probably lots of people that don't feel that way and they feel scared. Like they're not being, they're not watching them enough. They're not giving enough boundaries or rules. And so what would you say to someone who's feeling like that on the extreme end and on the like not extreme end, but just like unsettled? Yeah, I think what it is, is both parents need to understand and appreciate that all, all people, all humans are different and all parents are different from a parenting style. Like I would, if I had to get, like, I know my mom is, was more like you are when, when, 
when I was growing up and my dad wasn't as much like, I mean, he cared, but he didn't, he wasn't like, and, and if I had to guess, I never really talked to my ex about it, but I would think my ex is a little more like you and like my mom was. It might be a more would, of a mother thing too. Like just our, na- might, yeah. our nature as women. And that might be a yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. It might be. Um, I'm not like when my kids are, are with me, I'm like that just because it's like, I feel like I'm responsible. I mean, obviously I never want to never want anything to happen to them, but I feel like I'm responsible. It's like, all right, tell me where you are. What's up. Okay. Be, you have to be home at this time, whatever. But I think the biggest thing in, in that regard for parents and split families is like both people have to be adults about it and appreciate that everyone's different. Not only is everyone different, but every parent has a different relationship with each kid. Like, I'll give you an example. When I, when I first was separated and if I say that I like, say that I like went somewhere, I I traveled. And when I got back, I would text my kids and I wouldn't hear back from them. And I would start feeling like, what the hell? Like this, you know, I'm sure they would text their mom. I'm sure. and, And my ego started taking over. But what I did was I started to look into my own relationship with my own parents And the funny thing was, is still at 40 years old or whatever at the time, when I landed from a plane, I texted my mom. I didn't text my dad. And my dad is like, like the coolest person in the world. Like my dad's like one of my idols, you know, but my relationship's different with him. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't text dad to be like, hey, I landed. I texted my mom. Hey, I landed. I'm safe. You know, so like people need to understand that. And that's not a bad thing. That doesn't mean they don't love you or that like the other side loves them too much or is like horning in on your space. Like another thing that I realized too is early on in, in, in my separation, like I realized that my, my ex would text my kids a lot right around like bedtime, right. Mm. Or nighttime. And at first, when you're when you, when it's fresh, you could look at that as like, like this is my time. Yeah. What the hell? yeah. Whatever. But again, I started thinking like her relationship's different with them. And and two, it's different a lot of times with you know, moms and boys, you know, and or dads and girls. Like mm-hmm. I don't have any girls, but like they're all different. So like someone who's going through that like, like me in that situation, when my ex was texting my kids, like, instead of looking at it as like horning in on your own time, change your perspective and like, be grateful that you have someone who like gives a shit. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and you have someone who like, if they ever need anything and you can't deliver that, like you could like rely on someone, you, you know what I'm saying? And again, it gets back to the ego. Like that would be, that's, that's an ego play for someone to be like, you know, Oh, this is my time. Like quit texting them, you know, now granted you want to have your time with them. And I'm not saying like, you should just give away your time, but you got to realize like they, everybody cares differently. Everybody shows their love differently, different love language, different relationships, different values, you know, so you got to learn and grow into being able to appreciate that. Right. And, and it, it, it makes life so much easier because it eases so much stress and so much like toxicity, you know, that's can be very burning inside and like very, very devastating. So 
I think that's the biggest thing for that is appreciating not only the differences in human beings, but the differences that different parents have with different children, you know? Yeah, that's a really beautiful way to look at it. And and I, I know that people listening that aren't divorced or walking through a divorce and, and myself included in that, I'm taking a lot from what you're saying here. I mean, I no. I think that's really great advice, relationship advice. I mean, yeah. even through a marriage, like you see, I see as you're saying that, I see the different things that I need from my kids and the different things my husband needs and vice versa that our kids might need from us. Like they're looking to mom for this. They're looking to dad for this. And we give, we give different things at different volumes. And, um, and ultimately you want your kids, as long as your co-parent is a safe person, you want your kids to have good, healthy relationships with them. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that you'll start to realize too, especially with, with you when your children get older, is it's going to be the same thing with with your kids too as they get older. Like they're all different. They're all going to show love differently. They're going to have different interests. They're going to be different people. So you can't like try to put them in like a certain mold, you know, that you want them to, to be in. Um my mom always used to tell me, I can't remember the damn phrase, but it's a good, really good one. Oh, it's, it's, um, that children aren't supposed to be molded. They're supposed to be unfolded. Mm. And it's basically like, you gotta, like my three kids are so totally different. Like it's crazy. Like they're, they're just totally different. And if, if I judged each relationship based on my criteria alone, that would lead to a lot of issues, right? So you got to let them unfold and, and, you know, take the perspective from not only your end, but their end too, that they're just different people, right? They just, they have different love languages, different interests, things that are maybe comfortable for one kid is not for the other or whatever. So it's the same thing with children as it is with, with co-parents and with spouses, you know? And, and trust me, when I, when I'm saying all this, like, I, I'm not like, I, I, I'm not perfect either. Like you, I understand, like you get tired, you get angry, you get worn out, you get, you know, maybe you didn't eat right one day, you know, whatever it may be. So you still always got to just get back to the basics, you know, and, and do your best to try to stay in that, you know, in that st- stability area. It's one of the hardest things about parenting is when you have multiple kids, like, different things work so so different whatever and you're like I oftentimes say like as far as like temperament wise and things like that our second and our fourth are like way more chill and like just a little bit so far easier to figure out like how are we gonna get through this and I'm like man if those were my only two kids I would think I'm just like acing this thing (laughs) like you know (laughs) It's, it's, yep. you just don't know what you don't know. And kids are so, so different. Not one thing works for the Absolutely. same, you know, of all of my kids. Yeah. So, um, and then not only that, but then it changes over the course of a year. Yes. Like they, I'm totally, you know, cause they're As trying they to find their way. Yeah. But newsflash, you're still going to be trying to find your way into your forties. Yes. <laughs> so, so like get used to it. Doesn't right? stop. Um, yeah. okay. When kids come home from the other parent's house. What are questions or things you like to ask or talk about that you think are appropriate um, when they come back to your house? 
Yeah, I was very particular in my own personal case. I was very particular about this when I first when we first started on this journey because I was always very sensitive to putting them in a position that may have felt awkward for them and putting them in a position and my ex in a position where like info might have gotten back to her that like I was trying to be like inquisitive or something. But that being said, sometimes conversational questions are just that, that are innocent questions. So as time has gone on, I've been a little more relaxed with that. And I'll, I approach it now. Now, granted, I'm not in a high conflict case and I'm not in court or anything like that. So I will just approach it as conversational. Like, what'd you guys do this week? What'd you do this weekend? Oh, we did this. Oh, who was there? You know, and I, I think I feel comfortable doing that now because I think my kids grasp the fact that like, I don't give a shit any, like, I don't care. You know what I mean? You I don't trust care. As long as what's like, going on. Yeah. As long as someone's not hurting them or they're not getting like, you know, being put in a bad position or something, I couldn't care less of like what they do, who they're with, whatever. Um, and I think they picked up on that energy from me. So my suggestion would be is if you are going to ask those kind of questions, make sure you have the right energy and make sure you're not like doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, because you, you never want to put kids in the middle of your shit like mm-hmm. ever. And that's one of the easiest ways to do it. For example, if you, you would say, you know, what'd you do this weekend? And maybe they say, you know, Oh, we did this. Well, who was there? Well, so-and-so and so-and-so and ends up being like your ex's like new partner or whatever. And then you end up flipping your shit and then end up like being sarcastic and harassing it to your ex about it. Like, Oh, Hey, who's so who's this, who's that, who you taking around the kids? Why don't I know about it? Well, now the kids are in the middle of it. Right. So if you're doing it for the right reasons, then I would, I, I think, I think all questions are fine. If you're doing it truly for the right reasons and your energy's there to, to not make it awkward for them. But other than that, if you're going to, if you're not doing it for the right reasons, or if you're trying to learn some like dirty information through your kids, like don't do it. Mm-hmm. Like don't. So I don't think it's as much the questions as it is the intent and mm-hmm. the energy and the mindset. Um, because what can be completely conversational for one person is like a strategy to like trip up the other side or to catch them in something bad or whatever. So I think that's more important is the, the energy and the, you know, your intention behind it. What are your personal feelings though? on when you do start dating, like, do you think you should talk to the ex about it before introducing the the kids? So personally, I'll tell you, no, you know, I, I didn't, I don't know why I didn't hundred percent. I don't know if it was because it's not her choice or because I was like, didn't want to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't really know why I did it, but I think I trusted myself enough to know that it was the right thing. Um, so I think with people, if you're doing the right thing, it's not like you need to get approval, but if you want to kind of rip the bandaid off and make it easier for the future, then, then just do it. Just have, just, have the conversation right you're not beholden to anybody but it also too depends on what level like if you're living with someone compared to like they you know what i'm saying like they're coming over for dinner and meeting your kids exactly exactly so 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can't I personally. I didn't do it, so I, you know, I don't think it's a huge deal. But if you are in a relationship where it is a huge deal, then you, you should probably do it because otherwise, shit might hit the fan and it might get rocky. You know, um, yeah. How do you talk to your kids about that? That's got to be tough. How did I personally? Yeah, or like, yeah. What are your thoughts on talking to kids about like new relationships? I'm trying to think how I even brought up the topic it's probably also you know it varies kid to kid like we talked about every kid is so different yeah the the only thing i could say is kind of what to expect and depending on the ages of the kids because the younger the age the easier it is for them because they're just like oh another person that can like we can have fun with Mm -hmm. you know we, we can have ice cream with they're like whatever and then you when you reach an age an older age when you're going through it, there's more of like a resentment. Yeah. There's not only like a resentment of like resenting the parent that's in a new relationship, but there's also this feeling that older children will have of like a loyalty mm-hmm. to the other side. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like, well, I don't want to be nice to him or I don't want to be nice to her because she's not my mom or she's not, he's not my dad. And then there's a, there's a whole other level where maybe they're not really, they don't really care so much about the loyalty, but they don't want to piss them off. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to upset them. They don't want to make them sad. They don't want to make them angry. So they feel like this is their way to like stay out of trouble by, you know, well, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to him or I'm not going to talk to her or whatever. So I think knowing that when you're having the conversations you have to realize that it's each age is different. And because of that, it might be smart uh, to kind of do what my ex and I did when we told the kids about our separation is to do it separately mm, instead each, of each kids separately. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of all together, because they're all going to react differently and they're all going to hear something different. Um, so, and that, that's what we did. And that seemed, I mean, it, it's never a good thing. It's like the worst thing in, in the history mm-hmm. of earth, but um that's what we did. And I, and I think it worked out all right. I mean, I know it worked out all right um, in the long term. Uh, but yeah, they're, it's, they're, it's diff- they're difficult questions because everybody and everything and every situation and every age is they're so different. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think the biggest thing, though, the most important thing that people need to understand is honesty. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't want to have the difficult conversation with your child or with your ex or whatever, don't have the, you, you don't, don't feel like you, you hundred percent need to, but like be straight about stuff, like be honest, be true to yourself, be proud of who you are and, and fine with it because not only are your kids listening to your conversation that you're having with them, but they're also watching you and they're feeling your energy and they're learning from you. Right. So if you're taking something in stride, they feel more comfortable, you know, they would have a sense of feeling more comfortable. So that's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, that's a, that's a personal opinion, whether or not and how to have that conversation. But the biggest thing is don't ever lie to them or don't ever like, you know, always be straight to them and to yourself too. Yeah. As you were saying that I was thinking about my kids and I'm like, who would need a brother with them during that conversation and who would have so yeah. many questions? They just need a one-on-one, you know, or two-on-one yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. 
Well, lastly here, I'm curious, you know, earlier you had mentioned you're going to find out who your real friends are when you walk through something like this. Yeah. And I'm curious what your suggestions are for how people can be a good friend when someone's walking through that. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is to make sure to, to let them know that you're there and let them know that like what, that you're there to help them, that you're interested in making sure they're okay. Mm. Right. Um, not to be overbearing, right? Because that's not a good thing either because then sometimes it can almost feel like someone's wanting like certain details, you know? Um, mm. But be there for them. Be vocal about being there for them. Understand what kind of friend you are dealing with and what kind of relationship you're dealing with and determining whether or not you need to quote unquote pick sides, you know? Because... In my relationship, for example, I felt like there were a lot of people that felt like they needed to pick sides Mm -hmm. when at least from my end, like I didn't really care if they talked to her or not. You know what I'm saying? But I do know divorces where people get pissed off about that, where people like, you know, if they find out like you're talking to their ex, they're going to be pissed. So be understanding and aware of you know, whether or not that's going to be an issue, be straight with them, you know, be straight. Like, Hey, look, I, you know, you're my friend, but like, I see so-and-so at, you know, yoga twice a week or whatever, or, you know what I'm saying? Like be straight with them on, on the relationship with the other side and, and just know, just let them know that you're, that, you know, they're, you're there to support them. You might not support what they're doing and you might not agree with what they're doing, but you're there to, to help them. Right. Yeah. I think that it can be really easy to just like kind of drop off, like check in and then just drop off because you don't know what else to do and you feel like you feel awkward and you don't know how to support them. Yeah. Um, All right. Judge Anthony, we always wrap up with some end of podcast questions here. Um, You've had a lot of fun experiences in your life, in your career, but I'm curious, what is something professional or personally you would like to do that you have not done yet? Professional or personal that I would like to do. Or both. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, Professional, I want to continue growing this thing that I have going on and get into as many other countries as possible. Um, I I shouldn't say I'm working on it right now, but I'm about ready to start working on translating all my stuff. Oh, cool. For other people. Um, I have two new programs that I'm getting ready to launch that are going to be universal. Um, oh, and then I have the I have software, case management software that's about ready to launch any day now. Um, so I think those are the biggest thing is like the reason why I started doing all this was to have a bigger impact than in, just in my community, you know, as a judge and as a lawyer. So I want to have as big of an impact as possible. So I want to go worldwide, you know more, more than we are just now in like five different countries. Um, so that's on the, that's on the, um, professional side. And then the personal side, I don't have any specific thing that I can tell you that like, Oh, this is on my bucket list or whatever. But what I want, what I want to do, not only for like myself and and for candy, my fiance and, and for my kids, not only to experience it too, but also see as an example is to like live life like fully. Like do it all. Any option is on the table. Anything is possible. 
anything we can figure out how to do whatever we want to do to, to, to instill, to, to, to live the rest of my life with that mentality and that energy and to pass that on to my kids where it's like, look, you can do it. You can do anything and go anywhere and be anybody that you want, period. And, and I think that's the biggest thing for me. Like this year, this year has been one of my favorite years so far, uh, professionally and personally, because one of the, for personally, because we've created, we're creating like so many memories, you know, that's the, like the hugest thing is like we did like my boys and I went to the March Madness uh, basketball tournament was in Pittsburgh. You know, we went to that. We had a blast doing that. You know, Candy and I took my parents to Puerto Rico. Like we like got to share like so many memories together and create new ones. Like that's what's really important for me. It's not really like any bucket list sort of thing, but it's to make sure that I'm always like living, living full out, like going full out like work hard, play hard, like experience life, experience people and, and teach my kids how to do the same. What do you think stops people from doing that? Just the, I always think like just the um, mechanical parts of life, like, oh, I got to go do this. I got to do that. And then you just like yeah. stop dreaming big. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, I think that's stuff that's passed on not only from our parents and, and our families, but also from like our history, you know, like the, the, the years that you've already lived and what you've experienced. Um, and then I think too, another big problem is like, what's the media, like what, you know, all this shit we hear, like, it's, you know, it's like, Holy hell. Anytime you turn on your TV or read any news on social media or anything, it's like, you know, they're, everything's falling apart, right. Everything's falling apart and everything's crumbling to the ground. But, you know, we have a lot more control over that than, than, um, than we even know. And I think that's the biggest thing for people is to understand that, like, there is a possibility, like you can, you know, you can have an impact on, on people. Now, granted, I, I get like financial and different things like that. Um, but the attitude still has to be the same. You know, when you are in those little moments with your kids, start out that way, start out small, when you have time with your kids, it doesn't cost any money. Live full out, you know, go play, like go play wiffle ball, go like act like an idiot, like cheering and yell, like energy, like just live life, live it out. You might not be able to like fly to Australia or whatever, do anything like that. But when you do have that time, like live it up, like do, do it, do it full out. And, and, And what that does is it snowballs then into wanting more and wanting to do more. A lot of that too is putting away the news and putting away the phones and all that. You have to separate yourself from that. And also it's not to say that like you want to be blind to the terrible things that do happen in the world, but like you can curate what you see, like you can see it and then you can curate what else you see and what else you ingest every day. Because like just staring at it all day does not benefit your life. Absolutely. Um, I know you're a big reader and I know maybe you aren't reading as much as you did years ago, but what's the best, most recent book or like one of your top books you always recommend to people? Well, I got to do a shameless plug. Candy, my fiance just released her book, Wealth Habits. It's going to be a, it's going to be a big deal It's the publishers. It's their number one book, uh, for the season. So they're putting a lot of money behind it and a lot of time and effort behind it. So that's going to be a big one. Uh, but as far as me, 
the, the book that has had the biggest impact on my life, and it's not even just from a financial standpoint, it's just from a way of thinking, is uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That Napoleon Hill, like you have everybody today, like you have, you know, Tony Robbins and, you know, Brendan Burchard and like all of the big names. And then you have a lot of other like influencers who are doing a lot of the personal development stuff. But what a lot of people don't know is most of that came from Napoleon Hill. And his way of thinking and his understanding of the human mind and, and you know, life in general really put things into perspective for me. So that is the book that, that I will recommend to everybody. It changed, it changed my life. It changed the way I think about life. Um, and then there's another book he has that's not as well known. It's called like The Interview with the Devil or something like that. And basically what the devil, the devil is basically the subconscious, so it's basically like interviewing his subconscious and it's really a really cool book too. So I think those are the two recommendations and wealth habits. Okay. That's exciting. When does, when does her book launch? Um, she, it was just pre-released uh, a couple weeks ago and then it's launching uh, November 8th. So you can order it. You can pre-order it now. Um, she was uh, number one in like three different categories on new releases on Amazon. Um, and like I said, they're, they're going to be, putting her face and name everywhere. So it's going to be a big thing. It's really, I I was lucky enough to read most of it through the manuscript. Um, It's going to be really, really good. That's awesome. Um, Where is a trip or an experience that you have taken with your family that you would recommend to us? Uh, Anywhere in Puerto Rico. We were I say that because we were just there in the end of July. We went with my mom and dad and uh, it was awesome. Puerto Rico is awesome. It's a great Island. It's a lot of great people. Um, and then the other one would be in Cabo San Lucas. I say that cause it's close. It's close to Arizona. It's like a two hour flight. It's a great place, great people, great culture. Uh, it's uh, two highly recommended places. And what is your last message to leave with our audience today? Um, people need to realize they have to just focus on what they can control and worry about that. And if you can't control it, don't sweat it and don't let your ego take over your life cause it'll destroy you. That's good. Thank you so much, Judge Anthony. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Judge Anthony, for coming on the show. You all can find Judge Anthony. He has quite the Instagram following. He is Anthony Bompiani, Anthony B-O-M-P-I-A-N-I on Instagram. And his website is judgeanthony.com. You can find me personally, Lindsay Hine 626 on Instagram, and I'm at Lindsay Hine on Twitter. We also have a Facebook group for this podcast. We'd love to have you join. Learn more about all of the Sandy Boy Productions podcasts when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. And don't forget, friends, I'm raising money for Every Mother Counts to ensure safe childbirth and care for women all around the world. You can learn more and donate. There's a link on my Instagram, lindsayhines626. Thanks for being here. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?